Welcome to the Trucking Market Update on the State of Freight Podcast, brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Trucking Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Trucking, Avery Weiss. As Avery presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading the PDF or PowerPoint of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF and PowerPoint is available now at www.ftrintel.com podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads for the Trucking Market Update, as well as the weekly rail market update with Todd Tronowski and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com podcast. Welcome to FTR's weekly Trucking Market Update. I'm Avery Weiss, Vice President of Trucking. This is episode 69 for the week ending June 26, 2020. Before we start, a reminder that you can download a PDF with graphics related to this discussion at www.ftrintel.com podcast. You can also download a PowerPoint presentation that includes images of those same charts you can use in your own presentations. So last week I mentioned that the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee was deep into its second day of a markup on the transportation bill as I recorded the podcast. As it turned out, the committee completed its work that night. As it applies to trucking, everything that was in the bill when it was introduced is still in the bill. And you can listen to episode 67, or at least the first few minutes of it, if you need a refresher on that. I already mentioned one amendment in the last podcast. That was the one to increase the minimum level of liability insurance for motor carriers from $750,000 to $2 million. Another amendment directs FMCSA to establish screening criteria for obstructive sleep apnea among commercial vehicle drivers. The Obama administration had been heading in that direction, but the Trump administration withdrew the rulemaking effort in 2017. We have discussed the motor carrier safety policy elements of the bill, but there are some other key provisions we haven't talked about. For example, the bill would establish a five-year pilot program to test out a vehicle miles tax, or VMT. It also would establish a manufacturer credit for sale of zero-emission heavy vehicles powered exclusively by batteries or fuel cells. There's also $250 million to address truck parking and another $250 million to reduce traffic gridlock in large metropolitan areas. One other point about the bill. The Transportation Infrastructure Committee's bill has been folded into a broader package known as H.R. 2, the Moving Forward Act, and it now addresses a wide range of infrastructure development, including housing, broadband internet service, water, the postal service, clean energy, health care, and more. In essence, H.R. 2 is the huge infrastructure bill that the House will put forward. Of course, huge sections of H.R. 2 are essentially non-starters for the Republican-controlled Senate and also the White House, but this could be a blueprint for a transportation bill in the 117th Congress, depending, of course, on the outcome of the November election. Okay, let's talk about the spot market. Spot load volumes in the truckstop.com system rose more than 11% during the week ended June 19th, which is week 24, over the prior week as loads were up in all key segments. 
Load volumes for week 24 exceeded the five-year average and 2019 levels by 7% and more than 2%, respectively. Since the end of March, total load volume has exceeded the five-year average and 2019 levels only once before, and that was in week 22. However, comparisons in that week were skewed favorably because Memorial Day fell in week 22 in recent years. Although volumes typically are not as strong in week 24 as they are in week 23, June is a peak month for the spot market. The market's ability so far to keep pace with seasonal expectations is a reassuring sign for continued growth. On the other hand, seasonal expectations may not be a perfect benchmark given continued recovery from contraction due to COVID-19. Sharp reductions in trucking payroll employment and ongoing disruptions in supply chains and network freight could be boosting spot volumes in a way that does not necessarily reflect overall freight demand. Drive-in spot volume in week 24 was up nearly 22% over the previous week. Loads were 9% above last year and 12% above the five-year average. Volume was at its highest level of the year, surpassing even the grocery restocking push in March. Refrigerated spot loads rose nearly 16%, which is the largest week-over-week increase in seven weeks, except for that week 22 bump that was at least partially attributable to Memorial Day occurring during the prior week. Volume in refrigerated is 7% ahead of the five-year average for the week, but is about 4% below last year's volume. For the second straight week, the West Coast was a drag on refrigerated loads, although not as big of a drag it was in week 23. Refrigerated volume is stronger than it was during or prior to the restocking push, but it has not quite matched the restocking phase and probably won't uh, for quite some time. Flatbed spot loads were up about 7%. Since bottoming out about 10 weeks or exactly 10 weeks ago, Flatbed has failed to grow week over week just one time, and that was during the week that included Memorial Day. Volume was 4% ahead of the five-year average for week 24 and about 3% ahead of last year. Flatbed volume has recovered to where it was at the beginning of the February surge, but it is still about 17% below the peak of that surge, which occurred in week 10. Total spot rates continued their incremental recovery since bottoming out in week 16. The broker posted rate per mile, excluding fuel surcharges, was up about 4 cents and is only about 1.5 cents percent below the same uh, 2019 uh, week. At the uh, bottom in week 16, rates were about 24% below 2019 levels. Rates are about 10% below the five-year average, but have recovered from about uh, or almost 27% below the average in week 16. Interestingly, the rate picture is pretty consistent for the segments, at least relative to prior comparisons within those same segments. Rates for all three, drive-in, refrigerated, and flatbed, are about 10% below the five-year average for the week. Drive-in and flatbed rates are about 1% below last year. Refrigerated rates are about 3% below last year. 
Okay, let's talk about petroleum and diesel prices. West Texas Intermediate Crude had flirted recently with a closing at $40 a barrel, but didn't quite get there until June 22nd, when it closed above $40, and it did so again on the 23rd, but then crude prices dropped $2 on June 24th. Diesel prices, meanwhile, saw their biggest increase of the year as the national average rose 2.2 cents to $2.42.5 cents for the week ended June 22nd. Not only was it the largest increase by far of the year, it was the first time that diesel prices were up for three straight weeks. Of course, the week before was the first time diesel prices were up for two straight weeks. Okay, moving on to talk about the labor market. The Labor Department on Thursday reported 1.48 million seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims for the week into June 20th and that was barely changed from the prior week. Initial claims remain more than twice as high as the record before the crisis, and they are not coming down quickly. Initial claims in the last week were just 86,000 below claims two weeks ago. More than 46 million Americans have filed first-time claims for unemployment on a seasonally adjusted basis over the past 14 weeks. On a not seasonally adjusted basis, that number is more than 43 million. Continued claims for unemployment remain a concern as well. Given that we have added 1.5 million to 2 million claims to the system each week over the past month, any decline in continued claims does suggest that people are returning to work. But the numbers certainly aren't coming down quickly. Continued claims during the week ended June 13th, and this data does lag initial claims by week, were still close to 20 million on a seasonally adjusted basis. In the four weeks since the drop of 4 million continued claims during the week ended May 16th, continued claims have fallen by only a net of 1.3 million. Okay, so let's talk about some economic indicators, starting with manufacturing. Orders for aircraft, automobiles, and parts for those were big drags on orders for durable manufactured goods in April and in March, so it was only fair that they start making up for that, and boy did they in May. Orders for durable goods surged 15.8% seasonally adjusted on an 80.7%, that's 80.7% surge in transportation equipment. Orders for motor vehicles and parts rose nearly 28% in May. The percentage increase for non-defense aircraft and parts was actually not mathematically meaningful because orders were negative in April and positive in May. Both categories remain far below seasonally adjusted levels before the COVID-19 crisis. Motor vehicle and parts orders are down nearly 53% from February and aircraft and parts orders are down nearly 65%. Excluding transportation, durable goods orders increased 4% in May and are down 6.3% from February. Now that's February uh, decline is not particularly good, but when you include transportation, durable goods orders are down 21% from February. Although automotive boosted manufacturing orders, the sector was actually a drag on U.S. international trade in goods, which was one of the few sectors of the economy that was weaker in May relative to April. 
Imports were down 1.2% on a seasonally adjusted basis, while exports dropped 5.8%. Vehicle exports were down 11.1%, but exports in general were weak as only one category, consumer goods, was higher in May than in April, seasonally adjusted. However, a 32.8% decline in vehicle imports was a drag on total imports. Excluding vehicles, imports were up 1.6% in May. Timing has much to do with why May was weaker than April in international trade, and specifically in automotive. With automotive production still largely intact through March, April saw more shipments of completed vehicles than in May because production had ground basically to a halt throughout all of May and well into, and throughout all of April, I'm sorry, and into May. The disconnect between the new home sales um, and existing home sales also is largely one of timing. The National Association of Realtors on Monday reported that sales of existing single-family homes dropped more than 9% in May. The next day, the Census Bureau reported that sales of new single-family homes jumped nearly 17% in May. So did American home buyers suddenly decide they hate houses that other people have already lived in? I mean, is this a COVID-19 thing? Nope. The answer lies in what the two sets of the numbers represent. The National Association of Realtors tracks home closings. The Census Bureau tracks sales contracts. Due to a decline in sales contracts in March and April because of the lockdowns, closings naturally were lower in May. The association said in its release that it expects existing home sales to rebound in June and beyond. Clearly, there's at least one good reason to expect continued strength in home sales. Freddie Mac reported on Thursday that the rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage remained at a record low 3.13% for a second straight week. Finally today, the Census Bureau recently released seasonally adjusted Q1 revenue figures for certain service industries, and that included truck transportation and couriers and messengers, which is a segment we generally refer to as parcel and local delivery. For higher trucking, was essentially flat quarter over quarter and down 2.1% from Q1 of 2019. Those will look like great numbers a few months from now when we talk about Q2. Revenues for general freight, which is basically dry van and container in the Census Bureau's parlance, were up 0.6% quarter over quarter and down 2.3% from Q1 last year. We can drill down still further to look at long-distance general freight revenues, but that data is not seasonally adjusted. Year-over-year, long-distance general freight revenue was down 3.0%. Since the data is not seasonally adjusted, the quarter-over-quarter change is not particularly meaningful. Specialized revenues were down 1.6% quarter-over-quarter and down 1.7% year-over-year. We certainly didn't expect much better than this for trucking, but parcel and local delivery continues to grow by leaps and bounds. Revenues in Q1 were up a solid 2.2% quarter over quarter and a very strong 9.1% year over year. By the way, the last time that revenues were down year over year in this sector 
was the third quarter of 2010. In the past five years, seasonally adjusted revenues have been down quarter over quarter just once, and that was in the first quarter last year. So that's it for this week's podcast. Let's recap. Spot market volumes and rates were up in all segments. Crude prices finally closed above $40 a barrel before easing back. Diesel prices experienced their largest increase of the year. First time and continued unemployment claims remain very elevated. Transportation equipment powered a big gain in durable goods orders. Vehicles, however, were a drag on imports and exports. Sales of new homes were up while sales of existing homes were down. Mortgage rates remain at record low levels. And trucking revenues were down about 2% year-over-year in Q1, while parcel and local delivery revenues were up about 9%. So that's it for FTR's Trucking Market Update, episode 69 for the week ending June 26, 2020. As always, you can download PDF and PowerPoint files accompanying this discussion at www.ftrintel.com podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we hope you will join us next week. That's it for this week's Trucking Market Update on the State of Freight podcast. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF and PowerPoint of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business. Thank you.